guys, we are back for our first official review episode on the Star Trek Discovery podcast, uh, otherwise known as STD, but we're going to talk about that (laughs) in just a little bit. (laughs) Also, we have a few other things. We're going to talk about the reception of the show, of course. Uh, I kind of want to just give a brief discussion about Orville and CBS All Access. Uh, talk a little bit about a stage nine thing I did on on Facebook, as well as talk about a straw poll. But before we get into all those things, in addition to the reviews, uh, we have the nerd story himself, Andy Sims. Andy, how's it going, man? Oh, man, it's going really good. Can't wait to uh, get into the Star Trek discussion. Cool beans. And in addition to the nerd storian, we have the who storian, um, uh, Kyle Jones. How's it going, man? Hey, man, going pretty good. How about yourself? <laughs> good, good, man. Glad to be on again. I think I'll just keep this storian thing going. How about that? <laughs> we also have my good buddy. I call him the Trek storian. <laughs> Jonathan Shores. John, how are you, dude? I'm doing well, man. I'm excited about this new Star Trek series. Just overly excited. Awesome sauce. As am I, dude. As am I. And last but not least, we have the tech historian. <laughs> My dear brother, Carrie Brown. How's it going, dude? Greetings, Earthlings. <laughs> cool being, guys. We are about to dive into our first review. But before that... um, a little errata and a few discussion points we want to talk about real quick. Okay, I've been posting in various Star Trek groups under our Facebook page, STD Podcast. And the first time I do this, I get this this feedback from this just total jerk of a guy, uh, not to be insulting to him, but uh, why would you call your podcast STD? That's not even the right abbreviation. Okay, guys. We know it's not the right abbreviation. We know ST is not usually used in the name and the abbreviations of these television shows. But there is precedent. It was used in two movies as the abbreviation uh, for, I think, Star Trek Beyond and Into Darkness. But no, this is not the abbreviation for the show. But it is abbreviation for our show. So we're going to go with it and... uh Hey, we're, we've we've done it, and we're just gonna go with it, and hopefully people will come for the content and just have a quick chuckle at the name. So moving on, um, yeah, the same guy kind of gave me the feedback that you know it's it's CBS, not Paramount. Okay, you're you're right about that as well. But the last time I cared about it, it was CBS Paramount, so that's kind of what I remember. Uh, but anyway, we'll move on from that stuff and. Talk about things that are a little more positive. You mind if I put a positive spin on it? Sure, sure. What you got, man? Okay, so, you know, Star Trek has rules and regulations about using their way they name things and the things that they do, right? Yeah. So our naming sequence makes sure that we (laughs) did not follow the uh, Star Trek rules. And so, therefore, that's why. So uh, perhaps the gentleman was not as versed as he may have thought he was. Also, I would like to interject. Sorry, but um, I think Paramount is still appropriate because they just renamed CBS Paramount. It's still the same company. Yeah, that's (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're, you're totally right about that. Yeah. Not to mention, Next Gen has always been known as STTNG. So. Ah, ah. I don't know where that guy's coming from. 
Yeah, yeah. But it's all good. We're not here to fret. We are here to celebrate because we had two wonderful episodes. But before that, let's talk about a quick poll we do, did about our last episode where we were debating the various themes in Star Trek. So once again, I posted this in a lot of Facebook groups and we got some pretty good feedback. Uh, as I look right now, a thousand and four replies. Oh, <laughs> cool. wow. Yeah. And man, I was really surprised by this. Uh, the overwhelming winner. My uh, favorite. Star Trek. Deep Space Nine with 296 yeah. votes. Yes. Oh, really? I thought Voyager was ahead. I thought Voyager it, it, won. It, it was at a point. Uh, Voyager said it got lost. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Jonathan hired 200 hackers from China. <laughs> Stay off of Fiverr, man. Stay off of Fiverr. Yeah, yes. Voyager went far behind with 271 votes. So, yeah, right on the, the heels. And, yeah, yeah. Can yeah. I ask a question out of curiosity? Don't say Don't it. Say it. How about um, uh, 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 Enterprise? <laughs> Enterprise, uh, maybe better than you would think. Enterprise did have ninety nine votes. Yeah, so but it was the last one, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, last. Yeah, by far. Yeah, <laughs> we did not have to point that out. I'm just saying, we didn't have to point that out. Ninety nine problems, but a theme song ain't one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You heard it. <laughs> I had 99 problems, but then somebody composed the Enterprise theme song. Now I have 100. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so um, let's move on a bit. And uh, I just wanted to plug this um, video I did on Facebook for a Star Trek recreation project in the Unreal 4 engine called Stage 9. Uh, Stage 9, of course, because I think that was the Paramount lot number or something like that. And, and yeah, so, um, you can download it and check it out. It's really cool. It, these guys go really in depth into recreating what they think the enterprise is. And also they have a few variations of the bridge in there. So it's really cool. Um, you should check it out and check out my video. I'll put the link in the show notes or you can just go to scdpodcast.com and check it out. So, um, how many of you guys, uh, well, I'm not going to ask this question. How do you guys like CBS All Access? I guess that's the better question to ask. <laughs> uh, Everybody don't talk at once. I think it was great. I, I, I guess what I'm really happy about is the trick after show, which is I don't much like the host of the show, yeah. but it's pretty good to have some in-depth notes after the show. Yeah, yeah, that was very interesting. Um, and as far as like the service itself, in my opinion, I think that, um, you know, I was giving people flack for not wanting to sign up, but I have to admit when I first went to sign up and I kind of, you know, harped to Cal about this, they have two tiers, two tiers. And this kind of like really ticked me off. The 599 tier is the commercial tier. Yes, you will get ads on CBS All Access with the $5.99 tier. And of course, they have a $9.99 tier where you get no ads. Just ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. Now, what's good about what's the, I guess the, I don't know. It, it's not bad. It's like two or three commercials in between. It, it wasn't bad. But I mean, they're I irritating commercial. That's the thing. And it's, and, and I noticed they kind of play the same ones, at least it did for me, over and over. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. 
like if I could interject, like my whole thing about it is like I have the on my iPad I have the AMC app, I have the sci fi app, I have um Bravo, I have a couple T V channel apps and they're all exactly like this, except I don't have to pay for them. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm I'm with Clarence on this. Like I the whole idea of paying to watch ads just absolutely ticks me off. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm what we're paying ten bucks a month now for Hulu. Those of us that subscribe, true. And yeah. Netflix. Do they pretty yeah, much have fair, the same it's thing to on? the Netflix tier of um, channel prices? So yeah. I guess it's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But be that as as it may, are you guys ready to get in the review? Unless anybody has any other thing they want to cover before we get into the review of the shows. Mm, nope. All right, all right. Uh, you know what? I don't have a cool, uh, spoiler bumper like Cal does. Uh, maybe I'll get one one day. But, uh, yeah, let's just get a little intro here into the Vulcan Hello. 240 years ago, near Hatoria, a Vulcan ship crossed into Klingon space. The Klingons attacked immediately. They destroyed the vessel. Vulcans don't make the same mistake twice. From then on, until formal relations were established, whenever the Vulcans crossed paths with Klingons, the Vulcans fired first. They said hello in a language the Klingons understood. Violence brought respect. Respect brought peace. Captain, we have to give the Klingons a Vulcan hello. If their intention is to attack, falling up our fists won't dissuade them. So here we go, guys, into our review of the Vulcan Hello. Uh, first off, let's just get like first impressions. What are you guys overall feeling of this new Star Trek? The first we've had in so many years. It's in, I guess the, the one thing I want to comment on first is how do we take the show as a setup, like as a single episode when we haven't really seen the end of the story arc. <laughs> I mean, it, does that make sense? It's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to accept it. Like with next gen and with DS nine, it kind of, you, your pilot episode gives you an idea of everything that's going on. But the first two episodes really seemed like they were a single movie. And then, uh, without giving it too much away, the story isn't over at the end of episode two. As a matter of fact, with the the preview of the rest of the season, this is almost a prologue to what the actual Discovery show is going to be. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, we, we touched on it in our first or second episode. Uh, the producers pretty much decided that this was going to be a more serialized Series, so every season was going to tell a story. They're going to cover one story throughout that season. Yeah, and coming from like Japanese anime and manga, like I actually like that idea because you know most American TV shows aren't really like you said serialized. It's like it it doesn't really matter what order you watch the episodes in, especially the older Star Trek. Like that's one reason I get so mixed up on them because it's like I it's hard for me to like pull everything together. Because I rarely get to watch the episodes in order. But with this, I feel like I'm going to be more compelled to follow it. And I mean, the other thing about it is it kind of makes sense when you have shows like The Walking Dead and like Game of Thrones who like tell a continuous story. You know, considering the budget, I think it makes sense. Yeah. And the fact most shows are, like Carrie said, most shows are doing that. And the big thing now is binge watching. 
it's kind of hard to binge watch uh, a series where your episodes are not following each other in a storyline. Yeah, I mean, true. I, unless, uh, go ahead. No, yeah, I was just gonna say it's ge- very much geared toward a digital experience. Uh, I believe so, and I mean, we've been trained to accept these kind of shows with things like Game of Thrones, among others. But, but definitely, as far as we know from the Star Trek universe, it's usually a complete, you know, arc with every, you know, every episode. So it's really different. You know, the fact um, that, and I mean this in, a, in all due respect to Star Trek, but it didn't feel like a Star Trek television show. It felt like a movie almost. The, 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 you know, the, all the special effects, just the entire feel of it. I mean, yeah, did I enjoy the story? Absolutely. But I just like the whole, the visual. It had a very, good visual appeal to me yeah agreed agreed it very much felt like we were watching this high budget movie in a lot of ways and the visuals that we saw um would rival anything we've seen in any recent star trek movies i would think you know i think it was very very good overall solid production and and yeah yeah they're trying to bring the viewers in with that and i i I think it's pretty cool so what do you guys think of this whole setup? Um, we have Takuvma trying to rally the Klingon houses and he is indignant about this Federation words of we come in peace. And he's saying that, no, we don't need these guys. They will corrupt us. We need to unite, unite the Klingon houses and we need to take these guys on and He's seemingly willing to go to any lengths to make this happen. Uh, so yeah, comment on that and just give me like your overall feelings on the look and feel of the Klingons. They look different. <laughs> <laughs> they look very different. I it, still haven't gotten used to it. it. It's really hard for me because, um, and it, it might have been by design, but they looked very, very like stiff. So, like, all I could think about when they were talking was Darth Vader fighting Luke Skywalker and, like, the top half of his body is just, like, completely still while he's swinging the lightsaber. Like, that's all I could think about. <laughs> you know, I think we've said this before on, on, on this show, which is if this were set in the future, I think I could accept the look of the Klingons much easier than I can knowing that it's 10 years uh, prior to, uh, the, you know, the original series and w- that would make it what 80 years or so prior to next generation. And I'm seeing morph and it's just not gelling. Hmm. So let me ask well, a I, question. Was, was Worf like a uh, half human, half Klingon or was he full Klingon? No, he's full, full Klingon. Klingon. Yeah. Oh, his, okay. So yeah, now his son really Alexander was, uh, like, <laughs> two-thirds Klingon, because I think Worf's wife was half Klingon, half human. So, right. have they ever explained why they look so different? Like, is it canonized or anything, or did they just... Sort of. They've hinted at it a couple of times. Even Worf brought it up once as something they don't talk about. Yeah. But well, apparently, at- uh, apparently, there's something 
going on in their past with genetic manipulation. Which is the explanation they gave gave for the human human looking Klingons in you know the original series. So yeah. they they've dealt with this before, trying to explain the different looks. Um, and you know, I think they have room to work with something really cool in this space to try to get it to what we know by the beginning of uh of the original series. I think they have some room to work there. It might be really cool. Um, but yeah, yeah. What did you comment, Jonathan? Well, I have a couple of couple. I have comments and an observation. Comments is, uh, I've, if you look at the leaders of the other 24 houses, they all kind of have a different, you know, it's not just that they're clean on, but they're all like different races of clean on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that could potentially set up the genetic binding or splitting or whatever it is in history. But what I've also thought about and this is just a random thought. Uh, what if Commander Burnham were to end up with one of these Klingon offbreeds? That would then cause the Klingons to look more human in the future. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't see it going there personally. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. Well, it I mean, would, it to would the- take a whole lot of work for her to uh, be the spawning point of a whole. <laughs> Generation of Klingons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, but that would be a twist that no one would be expecting. Well, I mean, it, it, as long as we see the event that causes it somewhere down the line, I think will be good enough. I mean, not just specifically to do it, um, uh, Michael Burnham, but you know, if we see the event in history that causes them to go to look more human, right. whether it's a genetic thing that's put upon their whole race or something like that. I mean, if we just see it at all, I think it would be really cool. Here's a thought, and I'm uh, this may involve a spoiler, so should we say spoiler oh, alert? The spoiler flag is well up. We were uh... okay. <laughs> uh, so Michelle Yeoh's character is left behind. What if, like, the next jump in Klingon genetic mutation or whatever involves using human DNA? Interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. Because, you know, she did put up a really good fight against um, Kovac. I'm never going to get his name right. And then, you know, Michael Burnham did kill one. So maybe they think humans. I don't know. Yeah, I just I I can't subscribe to that just because like they the whole like their whole like manifest destiny was to stay pure. So like there has to be some kind of catastrophic cataclysmic like event for the Klingon for them to change. Like, I don't see them mixing with humans anytime soon. That's true, too. Yeah, good point. And uh, speaking of, of Captain Giorgio, uh, Michelle Yeoh, uh, and we see her along with First Officer Michael Burnham, uh, Sonequa Martin-Green, on a desert-like planet at what seems to be a mission of mercy. Um, uh, and they're actually, it looks like they're interfering with this race's... Um, Natural progression, which I thought was a little strange because they do mention uh, um, General Order One or the Prime Directive (laughs) right before they give this planet water, which would have decimated the species. So I guess if they don't get seen, it's okay. I I don't know. It seems weird. Well, I think I think it was more on the along the lines of they they lost their water source, and I have to go back and watch it. But it was for 
it wasn't a natural occurrence. Something happened that shouldn't have happened ah. that caused their water sources to crystallize. So they went to fix that problem. She was saying avoid general order one by not coming in contact with the species that way into, I guess you would say, a non-warp capable society. Yeah. Which would be general order one, not to interfere with lesser species. And they have done that many times before. As a matter of fact, one of the one of the crappier next gen movies involved, like it started off with them in a like scouting mission on a planet that they didn't want to be seen. Yeah. Insurrection? Oh God, is that the yeah. one with whales? I actually like <laughs> Insurrection, but yeah, it was kind that of was crap. when they went and freed Willie. No. <laughs> <laughs> This is the one where Jordy gets his vision and he sees the sun sunset for the first time. It was beautiful. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was. And then we get this insignia in the sand, uh, which signals their ship, which I thought was you know, a little cheesy, a little pandering to the crowd. But yeah, I guess it was cool. I just thought that was like a wise old, like, I don't know, wise old karate master type reference there. <laughs> That's what it seemed like. Like. Not to like bring race into it, but like I, I mean, the whole time, like I was just thinking Yushu Lin, like the whole time from like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, because <laughs> her mannerisms were like she was kind of a master, which she was. But it seems like they kind of played to that a little bit. Yeah, so so we find out that Burnham has been with um, Captain Giorgio for seventy years of service. And just to go out of order a bit, we do get this scene where they initially meet where Sarek is, is introducing the two. And man, it's the tension can be cut with a knife. These guys are like going at it until they come to this point of respect, um, <laughs> in a very weird sense. And yeah, and I guess their relationship takes off from there. Any comment on that? No. I, my, I like I liked it. I like the uh I like the interaction. I mean it gave a good backstory to it. Uh it's I don't know, I just I don't see I just don't I, I wish they had to put more time into building this story though. I mean just to I, kill her off now and I'm I'm like, really? It's not it, they built it up to be a great a great yeah. relationship. Now we don't know. Yeah, I yeah, felt but, like they had they had great chemistry. Yes, yes. Yes. And you, you know, I found myself disappointed or, or kind of going off of what Carrie just said. I kind of, they did have great chemistry and I found myself at the end thinking, Oh, well, next week's going to be a completely different show. It does feel yeah. like, that. yeah, that's what I felt too. Yeah. Yeah. So and like to go in, I'm sorry to go in with that though, as far as like her, those pre scenes, because it like I was super, super confused is because I thought she was supposed to be Vulcan and. Like, cause they have her doing like the Vulcan's hand sign and stuff in all the previews, but she's not Vulcan. And I was really confused about that. But like when they show her like in the past, I'm like, only thing I could think of was like, wow, this girl that's playing Michael Burnham has a lot of range because she was like completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently she was in the Vulcan Academy on Dectory Alpha, I think, where uh, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming her parents got killed and Sarek. Uh, Sarak kind of took over her upbringing. Um, yeah, Sarak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Supposedly, the mother, her mother, was a girlfriend, lover, or something of Sarak during that time, which caused, which is why he took her on as a ward or trainee or whatever he wants to call her. That's interesting. I, now that wasn't that wasn't outlined in the show. 
Yeah, how did it I miss was, that? Yeah. <laughs> it was in a interview with one of the cast. I have to go back and find that. I read that. Interesting. Interesting. So, so wait a minute. So Sarah <laughs> was running around on Spock's mom? How dare you? He he was living long and prospering. <laughs> I'm getting that seventies vibe. I mean, that's not right. I don't know necessarily <laughs> that it was a meaningful like um an intimate relationship, but he did have a relationship with with uh Michael's mom somehow. Mm, yeah. They were having a mailed Yeah, let's call it that. On far, anybody? <laughs> Well, see, now that's just gross because he mind-melded with her, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, I mean, we talked about how beautiful the show was and very cinematic, very movie-like. Um, the the so Yeah, so, so we get this mission to of being called to the edge of Federation space to investigate a, a damaged relay. And they're in the midst of this binary star system. Which I thought for this show to be in space, it looks nothing like any Star Trek scene I've seen at all in, in all the movies or shows. And they were really able to craft something beautiful, uh, for this place we spent, you know, much of the first two episodes at. I thought it was really, really well done and bright and beautiful, man. Yeah, it's not as sterile, I would say, as a Star Trek set. And and the thing for me was, like, as far as the visuals go, like, the whole time I was watching these two episodes, all I could think about was, man, this this feels like, it didn't feel like Star Trek. It felt like a live-action Mass Effect. Like, that's what it felt like to me. <laughs> oh, my. Thank you. Thank and like, you for saying that. Yeah, and it like I actually thought the visuals were better than the movies. I'm probably alone in that. But it to me, I, it was much more visually appealing to me than the movies were. No, I, I, th- I thought the uh, visuals were fantastic. Yeah. Some of the, I don't know, I, and I don't mean to harp on the Klingons, because I'm really looking forward to seeing, like, what happens with the rest of the series. But the sets inside of the the big, uh, for lack of a better term, the coffin ship. <laughs> I don't know. I believe, <laughs> yeah. Which I thought that. What by it, you know, by itself was a cool idea. I mean, that kind of seems like something a warrior race would do, but I don't know. It just didn't, the sets on board that ship didn't, I don't know. It just didn't have the right kind of feel to me personally. Well, well, I mean, I think the problem is it felt more like a cathedral than a freaking starship, you know? <laughs> I mean, no right. panels on the walls, no visible controls, really. Uh, which I think somebody, I read somewhere that they said they used some type of interface to to something they're wearing i don't know um sounded really weird but but yeah i mean no it it looks like a this grand cathedral or something and look didn't look like a starship at all yeah and i kind of like i mean i'm now, serious I, I go back to saying i really liked it yeah now he yeah. did reference to the fact that that ship was special his i think tacumba's father was the original light holder or torchbearer or someone and this ship was very special to uniting the houses. So, I mean, I think it was more of a ceremonial ship. Yes. To me, it seemed that way. And it's kind of going in line with the artifact that Michael went out to explore. It looked more like a ornamental celebratory type deal. Because I, I don't think we actually got to see inside an actual clean on ship. Uh, yeah. I really hope they 
go into a further explanation of where he got cloaking technology. Yeah, yeah. That was interesting. They do make a point that that one ship's the only one that has it at that time. Yeah. Yeah, he's been called on by Kalis to do this great thing. And uh, this is apparently a lost 25th house is, is what I've kind of been reading. Um, I don't know if they explain that really in the, in, in the first two episodes, but I could see that. Um, he's trying to reunite, reunite his people as kind of, um, he's not a part of the, is it the Klingon High Council or whatever? His, his family is not yeah. a part of it. And I don't know. I don't, I think his story is really compelling and, you know, um, spoilers. He doesn't make it, but <laughs> yeah. well, the albino guy is apparently going to take up the torch. Yeah, Vog, son of none. Shout out to Troy Barton, no name. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was. I thought that was really cool. How this, you know, albino outcast has has come into and looks like stepped into the principal role for the Klingons. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. So moving right along. Um, yeah, well, I mean, before we move on any further than that, I, I sure, want to get sure. you guys' opinion on on them reading subtitles the entire time. How do we receive that? I watch anime, so it was no big deal. <laughs> I oh, use closed captioning, me. so I'm used to it. Okay, I don't I, like I, subtitled anime, but I did enjoy this. Well, I mean, they, uh, it adds to the immersiveness. Like, it would have really freaked me out if Klingons were speaking like English the whole time. So, I, I actually really, really appreciated it. But again, I watch Japanese anime like every day. So, and I, I mean, I appreciate the idea of it, but I don't know. I guess I'm just not a big subtitle person. I think it was awesome, man. And I, I think it really. I mean, if you want to sum it up for me, the best part of them not speaking in, in English. As when he goes on this, you know, two or three minute monologue about how we need to band together, unite the families. And he's speaking in this Klingon language. And when he gets to the part where he says, we come in peace, it made that much more impactful than it would have been otherwise. I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and like the thing that freaked me out about it was you, all you heard for a while was, um, is it Takuma? For a while, he was the only Klingon really speaking, and um, I was like, like he's speaking like really, really slow, and I was like, you know, it kind of threw me off. But when you hear other Klingons talk, they talk like in a more fluent cadence. So I just figured it was part of the, you know, part of his character where he was like old or something. I, I, I don't know. Did you, did you guys notice that? I did, and I did some research on that. Uh, they were encouraged, the actors were encouraged to learn this language, but then take on their own cadence to the language. So it sounds uh, okay. Yeah, that so, makes sense. So Klingon is an actual speakable language that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, they've got dictionaries for it you can buy. They released a dictionary for it in like 88. Yeah. 89, somewhere in there. So yeah, it's an actual language. And every everything you heard. Every clean on words you heard was actual clean on language. Like they were understanding each other. And that is freaking awesome. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, yeah, we're abo- aboard the Shin, Shinzu, Shinzo, some Shin, Shinzo. 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 And man, a beautiful ship. Uh, again, we're investigating this damage relay. We have this run in with the Klingons. And man, uh, at that point, we're pretty much in this, uh, Mexican standoff 
Uh, <laughs> the, the rest of the time, no dancing was involved. Uh, but, but yeah, um, up a wall. and we get this plea from, from Burnham after having had this run in with, you know, killing this Klingon and, and she has a conference with Sarek, Sarak and, and we get to this point where he gives her this information and she is, you know, adamant on executing this plan of, 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 of giving the Vulcan a hello. That was such a badass explanation. Too. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know how I felt about that. Like to be completely honest, because like, I kind of understand where they were going with that, but at the same time, it didn't make sense. Like if you, if you throw it in the context of what was happening, Makes absolutely no sense because they don't want the Klingons to attack them, and like there's no way they don't attack them either way. So I guess I guess it would make sense if they were going to attack them anyway to shoot first, but I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, but presumably they haven't seen the Klingons in a hundred years, which to me is weird because didn't the Klingons attack uh, the the um, Vulcan Academy that Burnham was at? So I didn't really understand that part. <laughs> But apparently, they, they, but they did say they haven't seen the Klingon in a hundred years, and you know I can imagine if uh, take where we are in today's world, if if all of a sudden North Korea went out off the map, we didn't hear anything from them, no missiles fired or nothing, you know, for like ten years or a year or whatever, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're like encroaching on on uh, South Korea's border across it. You know, it's going to be a similar situation of, you know, we don't really want to shoot nukes, but, you know, it's probably going to happen. So I can I can see the tension there and why you want to be the one to finish this before it gets started or show force enough to deter the conflict. Uh, but, yeah, it's just a really, I think, hard situation. And I, maybe Cal can speak to this. It reminded me a lot of of. um Secret, Secret Empire, actually, um, in Burnham's attempt to do right, she was really so wrongly doing the wrong thing. And, and, and it reminds me of the, you know, Hydra Cal. Are, are you doing Civil War with Carol Danvers? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm doing Hydra Cap. Okay. Hi, Hydra Cap, you know, Captain America is so pure of heart. You know, if he gets, uh, yeah, okay. If he, if he gets in his heart that he's doing the right thing, no matter how bad it might really be, but you know, he believes it, you know, just as the good cap believes he's doing good, you know, Hydra Cap gets this in his head and he's going to fulfill this to the best, best visibility to try to bring this thing about. And, you know, we see where Burnham, you know, takes out the captain and just goes rogue. But I was kind of hoping she was going to get away with it too. Me too. <laughs> if it wasn't for but those pesky really, kids. <laughs> yeah. So I really think it may have worked. I don't, there was no good way for that day. And well, it's, it's basic cleanons. Like she said, it was a Vulcan. Hello. Cleanons only respond with violence. I mean, they, if you're aggressive, they respect you. If you're not, they don't. Yeah, but you know, I think there was a bit of dramatic irony there too, because it really didn't matter what they did. Honestly, I mean, they don't know that, but we do. Yeah, I think I, was going to attack either way. Yeah, I think I think you're right on that. And back to the Captain America thing and relating it, uh, segueing it to the Klingons. You know, I think 
with any with any of them, whether it's Federation, whether it's Marvel, whether it's DC, whether it's you know uh, Klingon, whatever, the the people have their own perception of their right and wrong, and and is there a right or wrongness of it? Now, if you're doing something as a Klingon for vile means, whatever vile is, you know, whatever. Um, but if you're doing that because of that's your interpretation of your people's uh, religion or your people's whatever, you know, the Federation's perception may be different. And I'm not saying either one of them are right or wrong, but I'm saying from the perspective of those two groups, perhaps they're just just like the two versions of Captain America doing what comes natural based on their perceptions. And I know I'm kind of not really making yeah, and, and, sense in my point. Yeah, no, and I think I was I was relating it a little more to um to Burnham's choice of doing right versus, you know, doing what was right in her mind, but it was in in hindsight a very bad thing to do, mutiny, you know. That was that was kind of the point I was trying to make out of that. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> Maybe not well. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I guess we can go ahead since these episodes connect in this, this two episode movie, I guess we can go ahead and talk about Battle of the Binary Stars as well. Um, I have a question if yeah. it's okay. Uh huh. Um, did you guys, and you probably knew this, I just had no idea. Did you know that Sarek was Spock's dad? Yeah. 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 Like I had no idea. We never, like it was never mentioned, but I figured you guys knew that already, but it was something that was a surprise for me. Like I had no idea. Oh yeah. Yeah, what what is presumably a good way to tie everything in? Uh, I think it's pretty apt to have him on the show, which I think the actor is pretty cool too. I've seen him on a couple of things, and I really like him well, as an actor. Wasn't he in Gotham last year? Um, Never seen Gotham. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I want to say I he was so on Orphan Black. What does that leave Spock in this series though? Like, I guess that's my my big question is like, will he be in this series at some point, or like, how is that going to work? Don't know. They, they're going to go like young Sheldon and have him. <laughs> oh, God, no. Dude, like 17 million people watch that. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah I, uh, Were you what, one of those Sheldon? 17 million? Yeah. 17 million people. We had 9 million pay for CBS All Access. Oh, wow. Really? Wow. Yeah, just to watch this. Wow. I'm yeah, not they, they show, a free week trial. I mean, they they, they, pulled, <laughs> they pulled the okie doke, though, because it's like they show the first episode on TV, and then it's like, you want to see the rest? Subscribe to blah, blah, blah. And that, that's but, how they got me, because I wasn't planning on doing it. But you watch the first episode, and it's like, oh, my God, I can watch the second one right after. Take my money here. Yeah. And, and, and it's what it seems to be a somewhat bundled lunch, I would say, because, you know, the game kept getting pushed back because of football. And then, like, we get this awesome episode or movie, half of this movie. <laughs> you know, let's cut the movie right in half and give them, you know, the first half of it. And it's just like the cliffhanger was so huge. I couldn't fathom oh. not watching the next episode immediately. I mean, they really went for it with their cliffhanger. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little on the fence about CBS All Access. I think it's what they need to do. And I, I'm glad we're getting that budget because of it and the partnership with Netflix. But man, and just to go back a little bit to Facebook and what we've been hearing people say, people are pissed. And I mentioned Orville up top is people are saying, you know, this isn't my Star Trek. Orville is closer to my Star, my Star Trek. I'm going to watch Orville. Which, granted, Orville is really good. Better than it should be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And it's I, just hard for me to take Seth MacFarlane like anywhere near serious. So I know it's like a comedy show, but still, it's like I just it's it's so weird for me. It's well, pretty good. I mean, it, yeah. it doesn't satisfy my Star Trek craving or anything, but I mean, it's good for what it is. Yeah, I don't see a Trekkie saying I'm going to watch Orville instead of Star oh, Trek. Oh, dude, I mean, don't uh, go on the internet, man. People are like, I mean, it's not just the fact that Orville is out there, but it's that. It's free and Star Trek isn't. And they, I've been seeing plenty of people say, I'm going to get my Star Trek fix off Orville until, you know, uh, it comes on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. I'm like, dude. That's because they want to make a comment out in public. I mean, a, I mean, a true Star Trek fan would, I mean, even Carrie paid for it. I mean, really? <laughs> wow. I don't mean that. Thanks, I mean, man. I didn't mean that, but I'm just saying you're not a Trekkie. You're Jeez, not Louise. a Trekkie. I mean, somebody like myself or Clarence or Andy, I mean, we're going to pay for it. We're going to complain. Yeah, this sucks. This is terrible. But, I mean, still, we're going to want to watch Star Trek instead of Orville. I mean, mean, let me ask ask this question. Isn't Orville a little bit more classic Star Trek than uh, the current Star Trek is? And I'm yeah. asking that. I'm not saying it is or isn't. I'm just asking. Well, well, that might be the thing. A lot of a lot of people are, you know, indignant about this new thing that we got. That oh, it looks nothing like my Star Trek. What am I going to do? Bo ho ho! And oh, I'll just watch Orville because it's closer. You know, that's that's what I've been <sighs> hearing. And and yeah. I mean, if if we wanted the old, I'm, you have to change, people. You have to change. Yeah, we can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again. What's the fun in that? I mean, where are you going to go with that? I mean, (laughs) as much as I love the Star Trek of old, we have to advance and push for something new, you know? Um, Exactly, exactly. And if I can, like, throw a little pop culture spin on this, like, this whole tricky thing about this not being like Star Trek, it, it, to me, it's so reminiscent of, like, when Metallica released a Black Album. Like, everybody was like, oh, my God, this is a master puppet. It's not thrash metal, blah, blah, blah. But, like, Metallica wanted to do something different, and they evolved, and they actually became, like, more popular and better than they ever would have been if they would have just stuck to doing what they did. And the other thing is, nobody's blowing up your Star Trek Voyager DVDs. Like, if, if that's <laughs> your thing, go back and watch it again. You know, let them have fun and do something new. Agreed. Agreed. Right. So guys, let's move on. Mutiny, uh, Burnham gets stuck in a cell. <laughs> and I have to talk about my favorite scene of the two episodes. When Burnham, you know, the guy walks in that had, that was told to go to see sick bay somehow wandered into, uh, the brig and he, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't last long, needless to say. And we have this beautiful, beautiful scene of Burnham in this cell. That is basically just a force field on the floor in the, in the ceiling. And, and man, how she outsmarts, outsmarts the computer <laughs> with logic. Yes. <laughs> yes. To get out of there. I'm like, Oh my God. This is so freaking wonderful. Beautiful, beautiful scene. I love this so much. I think that was part of the best like characterization that they had for her in the two episodes. And I really hope that they don't like shy away from her like Vulcan attitudes throughout the series. I know there might be a tendency to like, Oh, she's, you know, with a new crew and she's going to be more human. But I kind of, I really like that character and that idea about her character. I think it makes her unique. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's one of my favorite things about Star Trek characters in general. I mentioned to Cal the other day that the Doctor is my favorite Voyager character, but I always love when you have these characters where you have this human versus X, whatever X is, whether it's being a computer program, being you know um, a shapeshifter, or being an android. You have this human versus X, and that battle in a character is one of the things I really, really love about Star Trek, you know, even in Spock's case, you know. So so we have this case with Burnham, you know, not really a mixed race, but she had this mixed upbringing. And seeing that conflict in her, you know, using logic over any of her human uh, training or upbringing or um, not so much upbringing, but her training since she's been on, on the Shinzo, it 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 makes for a very dynamic character, you know, and that that's what I think I'm going to really love about this series going forward. I found her name to be interesting. I mean, I know, you know, there's not much you can say about someone's name, but still the fact that Michael Burnham is, does not sound like a woman's name. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not saying Michael can't be a woman's name. <laughs> I mean, but I'm just saying it just, it was just an interesting choice for naming the character. Well, in the context of the show, I think Michael was her father's name, too. Right. I think it was. Yeah, man. Yeah. Takuma the Unforgettable. <laughs> so, yeah, let's, let's, I guess we're to the point where, you know, we send this, this, um, this bomb aboard the, aboard the Takuma ship and it blows things up. And we have this final, I guess, showdown where, uh, you know, Burnham and, 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 um, Giorgio, Captain Giorgio, actually go to confront them to take them alive. Oh, that was dumb. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we get this scene and man, let's just talk a little bit about Michelle Yo and how freaking awesome she is as a captain. Man, they pulled the rope yeah. of dope on me, man. Anybody? Oh, I thought she was great. Yeah, she was really good. I'm upset she died. I me didn't too. like that. <laughs> I was not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just hate it when, you know, I mean, it it's kind of mm. not, but like me going into this, I didn't realize that like this wasn't the main crew because I'm a I'm a Star Trek idiot. And like so like when she died, it was kind of like not really, but it was kind of like when Ned Stark died <laughs> in Game of Thrones. <laughs> I was like, how do you kill one of them? But OK, then I see the preview <laughs> and it's like, oh, there's a there's actually a ship called Discovery. Again, I'm a Star Trek idiot. So it was like, all right, OK, whatever. Well, no, dude, I was surprised. Like, yeah, me too. So your fellow I idiot. the thing at the end of episode two that kind of showed uh, Isaacs and the rest of the thing. I was like, you just killed the captain. Like, <laughs> the hell? <laughs> You know, a lot of people were upset that we didn't see the USS Discovery in these first two episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And well, like Andy said up front, it was pretty much a, a prologue to what we're going to get, which seems to be, from the preview, a totally different vibe. I, yeah. I, I don't know how to gauge it quite quite yet. Yeah, I mean, she's a convict now. <laughs> convict music. How the mighty falls. <laughs> I know it was like I don't know, and I know it's like not even close to it, but I got like a really weird like Maquis feeling seeing her in like her, you know, orange is the new black jumpsuit. <laughs> and it, and I, honestly, it kind of yeah, like it kind of like um left me with mixed feelings because 
they like kind of play her up to being a captain, or at least the her, the Michelle Yeoh's character does, um, because she's like, you know, I think you're ready to have your own ship and all this other stuff. And I just hope they don't turn this into like a Pokemon thing where our whole time she's like, I'm gonna be a captain. I want to be a Pokemon. Like, I just hope that you know <laughs> they go somewhere else with it instead of her like that being her goal. It's just like I have no idea where this is gonna go. Like, no idea. I mean, well, as far as the two episodes we've seen, it didn't seem like she. Like, she was appreciative of the idea of, you know, uh, being told she could be a captain, but it didn't seem like that was something that she was looking for. Yeah, uh, I guess. Maybe that was my, my take on it. I don't know. Yeah, and, yes. And I, I'm sorry, I, go ahead. Yeah, and it seems like I've heard that even though this is like the same story serialized, I mean, I think we are going to be jumping years by years, maybe from season to season. So I think that probably is going to be the eventual thing we see is her uh, ascension up the ranks. Um, but yeah, I'm down for the journey. Um, you know. Oh yeah, did, definitely. If you watch the After Trek episode, they had the uh, director there, or producer, director, I forgot his name. Anyway, he he said the point of the first season was to develop her character. So they kind of wanted to go from if you're related hero to, to hero. I pretty much <laughs> they wanted to pretty much go from how she was in the rough to, you know, developing into a polished Star Trek character that you're expecting. I, I mean, it's, it's very much that trope you get in video games where, you know, you start off the first level all powerful and then the next one, they like strip <laughs> everything from you and like, OK, this is the real game. <laughs> I feel all like we right. kind of got that. The only downside is I like who she is now. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But she's going to she's be a so very much greater. Character. <laughs> and I have to say one more thing. Like I was saying earlier, she has range. Like seeing her from Walking Dead and seeing her on this, it seems like, like a completely different person, which I guess that makes sense. She's a gr- great actor. But it's just like, I don't, when I see her on this, I don't think of Walking Dead at all. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Not me either. Yeah. Which is like, funny that you mentioned acting. Uh, our friend over, um, on, on discussing who Lee Shackford uh, did a similar post asking about impressions of, of the first few episodes. And, you know, he knows a lot of theater slash actor friends or people. <laughs> and it seems like most of them were saying the acting in this episode was horrible. Um, of course they did. <laughs> I didn't really get that vibe, but to, that's to, like Carrie saying that the intro of enterprise was terrible. <laughs> You can't let that go, can you? <laughs> Speaking of acting, though, we gotta—I gotta give a shout out for Doug Jones and oh. his character in this epi- in those episodes. He is freaking awesome. <laughs> he was just he was so good. Okay, now, like, since since we're speaking about Sorry, like, I want to say something about his name. Okay, so. The name of the ship is the Shen- Shenzhou, which is like one of the first Chinese um, rockets that they launched into space. One of their first unmanned spacecraft, which now I think there's there's a bunch of them. So there's a man one now. So like I'm already in kind of like a, a Asian vibe. You know, we we have a Chinese captain, and then I see, and then I hear somebody call him Saru, and like the whole time, like Saru is Japanese for monkey. So like the entire time, like I'm. <laughs> So whenever they say sorry, I just think monkey, and it just it it just <laughs> it was so weird. It was so weird to me. Yeah, that'll mess wow. you up. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so I was uh, on the after show. I think it was. Did I hear them right when they said Saru was we lost Saru in the second episode? 
No, no, no. He's I saw him in a preview for the next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's going to be in the next one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's in my main cast. Yeah, Doug Jones is awesome, man. I mean, I love everything he did on screen. The battle between. You know, him and Burnham sort of like sister and brother, you know, <laughs> looking on those console displays to try to figure out what's going on. I thought that was really awesome. And man, I, I want to see who his character goes to because man, he, he really, really did some excellent acting walking around in those stilts or whatever he was in. So yeah, you guys are talking like you know this guy. What else is he in? Have I seen, have I seen anything else uh, with him in it? He was Abe, uh, in the two Hellboy movies. He was the Silver Surfer. He was, uh, I can't think of the actual creature's name, but if you've seen Pan's Labyrinth, he was the one with the uh, eyeballs in its hands. Okay. Played like a He's done a lot of like creature effect acting. Yeah. He's like Andy Serkis. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I remember most from Fallen Skies, the TV show that was out. I think on Fox not long ago, about three years ago. So what was he on Fallen Skies? He was the alien that the humans that were helping us out the first. Well, oh, Co- okay. Cody's, okay. Cody's, something like that. Something like that, yeah. I got you, I got you. But yeah, I love that show. Yeah, Fallen Skies was awesome. Oh, um, I have one more question. Sure, what you got? Oh, well, I don't know if it was the Helmsman or the... So, uh, anyway, there was a guy and my wife and I were watching it and she pointed it out to me. He had like probes or tentacles or something Lo- on his oh. hands. Oh. Huh? I, I thought you were going to talk about the Lobot looking guy. Well, we can get to that too because I, I didn't know about that either. <laughs> but I, I mean, this guy, it just kind of looks something similar to Borg technology. Well, he had like some type of head piece or something. That, I I thought it looked really cool, but to me it was just like some technology you just wearing on his head. I didn't think that was like implanted into him or anything. Yeah, I didn't think. No, 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 not either. the thing on his not on no, his no, head. He's talking about a different. It was another guy had like tentacle like things huh, attached to it on his fingers. Huh? I had to check that out again. I don't remember that that in the episode. I've I've tried to look for it. I can't even find a good picture of it. But anyway, probably nothing important. <laughs> it's all important, Jonathan. It's all important. <laughs> I watched it twice, so you know when you go through the second time, <laughs> you start paying attention to other things. So. so was it? Was am I just imagining this, or was the dude from the Office on there? Never seen on the Office. <laughs> yeah, neither have yeah. I. Neither what? Have I. <laughs> you guys have never seen the Office? I mean, I probably, like, probably caught the episode here or there. Yeah, maybe. Dwight, Dwight from the Office. Yeah, was that him? There. Huh? He, he was um Harry Mudd. Oh, he he will be in a oh, future yeah. episode. Oh, yeah. He's on a preview. Yeah. 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 Okay. okay. Yeah, he will be in the show. That could be awesome. That could be awesome. Good deal. Yes. What's so his next? character in uh, TOS as well? What's that? Say that yes. again? Yeah, he was. He, he was same, he's playing the same character in TOS. Oh, well, wow. Not he's oh. playing it, but. Mud was in a couple of the original series episodes. Right. That's cool. He was like a space cowboy type. <laughs> See you later, space cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, and I guess just to wrap it up, we get the sentencing that's passed upon Michael Burnham. I guess he's stripped from all rank. And, uh, what was the other? I had it written down here somewhere. Does anybody remember what was the actual sentencing she got? Dereliction of duty. 
uh, what is it? She was being sent to a penal colony. Insubordination. Yeah. I'm becoming or assaulting a senior officer. Yeah. <laughs> they threw the book at her. Pretty much. <laughs> Which was overkill, I think. Oh, I dude. Think, I don't think it was. She put the dude. death pinch on her captain, man. Like, <laughs> right. That's like a death sentence in the regular military. <laughs> <laughs> like they, uh, they shoot, they'll probably shoot you on the spot if you like. Uh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> you put you put your superior officer in the sleeper hold and knock him out. <laughs> they'll put you under the prison. <laughs> hey, Regina. Yeah. Redemption can be had. I do remember a one Tom Paris who was uh, stuck in this penal colony and wound up being a very, very awesome officer. So you could you could come back from these things. Uh, he didn't death pinch a captain either. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nerve pinch. It doesn't kill you. <laughs> you just look like you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> She bounced up pretty quick, though. She bounced back pretty quick, I will admit. It's, I swear it's like, it, the funny thing to me about the whole Vulcan nerve pinch thing is it, it like, it's like a, it's like a tase, cause it's, it's yeah. like touchdown, touchdown. <laughs> oh boy. Don't tase me, bro. No. What did I do? <laughs> so guys, we're wrapping things up. Any thoughts on where do we go from here? What's next? Gotta get what out of prison. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting as far as like the beginning of the series that like the first two episodes, the captain of the ship was not in them. So like that, that's going to be weird for me because I feel like I've already established rapport with these two, these characters. And now like this lead guy's coming in. Um, yeah, I could equate it to something else, but it's an anime reference and nobody probably will understand. So I'm not going to do it. But is that part of the setup for you as the viewer? Are we as the viewer to to experience somewhat the next episode and these characters in the next episode from her point of view? And you're coming into something unknown from what you've known. And we've known what she knew. So we're experiencing in her point of view going forward. The only way I'm going to be okay with it is if this guy just like blows Michelle Yeoh out the water. Cause I mean, that, that's pretty, he pretty much has to because she's already kind of set the bar as a captain. Yeah. So like he's going to have to be just like on point. And well, either that or she'll have to be like blow him away and end up yeah. like taking his place. Man, I mean, and just again, I know we talked about Michelle Yeoh already, but just her conviction. As a captain, I'm like, man, she's like exemplary of everything a Starfleet captain should be in just those exactly. two short hours. I'm like, oh my God, she's so good. <laughs> it really sucks that she's not going to be on this show. I don't think I can say that enough. I don't I think we've seen the last when, of her. Well, kind of. Yeah, she's dead, dude. Yeah, no, like I, I disagree. We may get some. What gave, get some, what um, gave it away for me was the the credits. Like I'm watching the first episode and the credits at the end. It says guest starring Michelle. Yeah, Yo. I was like, well, crap, <laughs> she's gonna die. Like I knew she was gonna die, but we may get some preview. Spoiler. So we we may we may not have seen the last of her just yet. I'm pretty sure we're gonna get some flashbacks uh, in the future here. So so uh, we 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 may see her. You know, you know, we saw interstellar interstellar mind mill. So anything is possible, right? And they have mentioned a mirror universe in this series. Oh God, no! <laughs> I'm already, I'm already pissed off at Dragon Ball Super with all these freaking universes. Now they're gonna bring it into this. The multiverse always wins, man. 
Oh, come on. You were really disappointed that alternate universe Frieza was a bad guy? <laughs> I'm just disappointed that that like that's the well I guess in defense that's the only way they could go with that show they've conquered everything else so whatever crisis on infinite federations <laughs> <laughs> it could happen it already has uh, well, never mind. yeah any any closing thoughts final comments um, as we try to wrap up here I actually have one sure okay so we didn't really talk about the intro um we've talked about the song but um as far as like the visuals. Like the entire time I'm watching the intro and I might be alone in this and I might just be an anime crazed nut. But the whole time I'm thinking like this is a more subdued cowboy bebop style intro <laughs> like that because you have the spaceships and like all the different animations. It, it just like I said, that's that's just what popped into my head. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I I think my opinion is that we've blown the budget. Let's do something simple for the intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my opinion as well. I, I didn't it just seemed. I didn't really get that. I think it's kind of, especially knowing that the show is taking such a different turn after these two episodes with her, you know, being part of a prison crew and everything like that, that everything is set up to be different than what you are expecting. And that's either going to turn people off or it's going to intrigue people enough to keep watching. I, I really, really liked it, and I agree with what Andy just said. I mean, I, 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 I totally liked it. I liked the 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 fact that it wasn't flying around in space like all the rest of them. I even, you know, I liked the, and you know, the original theme there at the very end. I like how it looked like it was a blueprint. I mean, and yes, I also agree that they blew their budget and they made something, <laughs> but I like. <laughs> Now, I must point out that it was very similar to Enterprise, visually. But it was so much better. You know, yeah, they ran out of money, so they went on Fiverr and got somebody <laughs> to make the intro. So, some might say that Orville has a more Star Trek invo- intro than Star Trek does. Um, but I think the song is wonderful. I love the song so much, or the, the music uh, and the intro. But the actual visuals, I was like, uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, it, to me, it pales in comparison to what we get in the actual show. So, all right. Well, one last thing that we would be extremely remiss not to mention is uh, that it is the 30th anniversary of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Right. September 28th, 1987. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, man. Speaking of living long and prospering, I guarantee you, if you go to BBC America sometime in the next few days, Star Trek will be on. <laughs> Another Star Trek marathon. <laughs> the next generation. TNG. S S uh S T T N G. Yes, let's put the S T up there. There you go. <laughs> oh man. They're gonna come out the woodworks on that one. Uh yeah. so guys, we got the next episode coming up. It's called the it's called Context is for Kings. So can't wait for that one. And as we wrap up here, if you know what their thoughts by anybody, we will go ahead and get our feedback that we got at our email address, fans at stdpodcast.com. You can send, uh, send your email there and uh, we'll address it on the show. So we have one from Eric in North Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Eric writes, love the first episode. 
Only minor nitpick being the holographic communication system. While cool, it's over a hundred years premature. This, this experimental technology was first introduced on Deep Space Nine. Also, the hand phasers are righteous, an elegant fusion of form and function, paying homage to the ones Captain Kirk will be using in 10 years. Cheers. So what do you guys think about the holographic uh, communication system that we saw the Admiral beaming across the, <laughs> the void? Right. On? I got to ask a question, and I don't know if everybody's going to get the reference, but did anyone else think that the Admiral looked a lot like Anthony Michael Hall? Hmm. Who did? I don't know who that is. <laughs> I know the name, but I have no idea. Say you guys wouldn't get it then. He played in the Dead Zone. He was part of the Breakfast Club. Yeah, I get um, that. Yeah, if you don't know who he is, it wouldn't matter. Oh, wow. He was Bill Gates in Pirates of Silicon Valley. I know that one. <laughs> sure. Hey, was it? Anyway. Huh. I just thought that the Admiral looked very uncannily like Anthony Michael Hall. Okay, Breakfast Club. Wasn't that with Molly Ringwall? Yes. Oh, I didn't like her. <laughs> okay. Uh. <laughs> I just did not like her. She was in the first uh, season of The Facts of Life, and I was a little kid, and I, I remember her with that damn uh, ukulele-like <laughs> banter. Oh, that troubled me. <laughs> and I will be looking up that tonight sometime because uh, I don't remember. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I do think the the Admiral had a lot of Kirkisms, the way he was talking. I thought he was trying to, you know. You thought he was talking like this? Yeah, somewhat, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Just my observation. But, guys, I think we have come to the end of the show. Um yeah, um, Andy, anything cool you're working on, man, that you want to talk about? Yeah, I got a couple of things that uh, I'm going to do. I am going to finally fulfill my promise of watching DS9 from <laughs> beginning and finally getting to end it. And I'm going to uh, start watching a couple of episodes this weekend, and then every week I'll watch a new episode, and I will blog about it at the nerdstorian.com. How that access taste? Nice. <laughs> uh, I got it on Netflix, so it tastes pretty good. <laughs> Done it. Okay. Done. <laughs> Jonathan Shorts, man. What, you have anything interesting to talk about, man? What are you working on? Uh, nothing. At all. Well, actually, I'm going to start working on building a stand for my 100 gallon fish aquarium I just oh, recently wow. acquired. Good lord, Jimmy dude. Christmas. 100 <laughs> gallons? What, yep. have you got a shark in there? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's nothing in there now but a bunch of spiders and crap because it's in the garage. But <laughs> You're going to be one of those Star Trek whales? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, man. But other than that, nothing else, man. So, so John, uh, I'm going to throw this out of there. Uh, we have to get you blogging on, on stdpodcast.com. You know, you have the vast knowledge of, of DS9 as well as Voyager. We'll let Andy have DS9. We want you blogging about Voyager and any other <laughs> Star Trek. 
that, that you're consuming because like you said that is your in the background doing something else always watching star trek thing that you do and yeah we need we need our our folks blogging and putting content out there so i, I may have to get you hey jonathan that. i've even got a name for your uh for your blog series short stories <laughs> oh no you did no i mean i meant that in a good way you're laughing how how about this one johnny draws you in <laughs> oh man so i quit the podcast okay guys carrie uh what are you working on over there at tech edition or any other place okay. Okay, yeah, so um, as far as Tech Edition goes, you know, we have our podcast. We'll be posting another episode next couple of days, um, so stay tuned for that. Also, um, I'm starting a gaming group. It's called Steamy Grits. Um, if you don't know about Grits, Grits is the Geeks Recording in the South collective that we have, and also most PC games are on Steam, hence Steamy Grits. I don't know. It made sense to me, but whatever. Um, we have our first um, gaming session tomorrow at 8.30, actually. Um, but depending on when this podcast comes out, we'll, you may just have to make the next one. But uh, we're going to just play the first couple of weeks. We're just going to play, have fun, and then we'll start uh, streaming soon after that. Um, and other than that, uh, uh, about 15 years ago, I had a website, a Dragon Ball website called SaiyanCentral.com. Um, I let the domain lapse and somebody grabbed it and squatted on it. And I checked it today, and it was recently uh, released. So I bought it again, and I will be starting another Dragon Ball website. So yeah. uh, keep keep an eye out for that. Yeah, guys, if you don't know how special Saying Central or GoHuntCentral.com is, those are like the first websites Carrie did way back in the 90s. And before I even know how to do one slice of HTML, this dude was making these websites at the library computer, which I oh, just, wow. just phenomenal. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was back in the day, man. <laughs> Good time. I'm jealous. I can barely make a Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> Give yourself some credit, man. And last but not least, we have Kyle Jones over at Discussing Who, which I'm also a part of. Kyle, what you got going on, man? Well, I think you and I, along with Lee, who you mentioned earlier, will be watching, if not this weekend, over the next week, uh the 1983 Oh, classic, but still uh, <laughs> a story, The Five Doctors, which uh, some of the classic who we're, we're uh, watching as we count down to Christmas. So there you go. Oh, yeah, that should be fun. And guys, um, I will just tell you guys, we have a patron for Discussing Who. Uh, it's at patreon.com slash discussing who. So you should check out our website as well as our podcast. And if you like, you know, pitch us enough for, you know, a Starbucks coffee or something. We'd really appreciate it. A Starfleet coffee. Star. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm Don't cheesy tonight. I can't help it. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, guys, uh, yeah, we're wrapping things up. And anybody want to say the closing words? Live long and prosper. Peace and long life. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the STD Podcast. For more information, go to stdpodcast.com slash subscribe.